morning. Welcome to CVP Church. Thanks for coming this morning. I know some of you maybe thought otherwise, but uh, glad to think that you're healthy, and, and thanks for being here and being a part of our Christian fellowship, uh, the body of Christ, and uh, our temple here, which extends uh, to our homes as well after church. I'm going to uh, draw our attention to the back of, of our, our newly redesigned um, bulletin, which is pretty cool looking. I like it. I like how it's flowing. Um, the back page is relatively easy to discuss because um, the keyword is postponed. And um, so as of at this time right now, uh, and I, the Presbytery has, has asked us to just postpone those. Session. Excuse me, the session has. Postpone those. Um, you have phones, you have other ways to connect with people, and um, if you need to talk to somebody or, or if you got into the groove of, of those days uh, meaning something to you, uh, it's important, like myself, um, get on the phone, FaceTime, uh, uh, work out ways to, uh, to, um, to support those groups that way. Um, however, what is still on is on Monday at 7.30, and that's Daniel Natsky's um, piano recital. Oh, where'd he go? There he is. Yay. You can do a little piece today? You can do one, a little, from, a little excerpt from it today, or no? Okay. Just checking. Something Russian. Something dark and brooding. I am going to um, Just, uh, so that's go Bauman to, at Bauman Auditorium at Fox. Bauman at seven thirty at Fox. Um, get there a little early. Get a good parking spot and get a good a good place to sit down. You were going to say something, Pastor? I, I was yes. Uh, well, or I could pass a few it things over today. To, to Sean. We're both people who are able to speak loudly uh, on the front uh, table. Uh, Sean has uh, got uh, distributed um, from Yamhill County, which comes through the state. Anyway, they've, they've sent along a PDF. He's, he's uh, printed some hard copies. Just uh, wiser preparation, shall we say, for uh, extended periods of uh, isol you know, when we need to stay in the house. When the so uh, this has a lot of great information. Chances are a lot of the things that are on here probably are still in the stores because people seem to be buying odd things. I was able to get tahini yesterday late, so I was able to make hummus, which was lovely. Uh, so yeah, tahini is still in the stores, um, which is good. Uh, but anyway, so please pick this up if you'd like uh, to talk with Sean or just about a little bit, some of the material in here, um, do so at a distance, but pick up, uh, pick up a piece of uh, this literature on the front table, help you uh, line out what to have in uh, your cabinets and in preparation, uh, again, should we be wise to be uh, in for uh, an extended period of time? So. Two weeks? Yes. Yeah, EC does talk to us a few times today. Under God instructs us, our pastor, EC Bell, we are, um, we are our sermon is, continues on with deacons and elders, and um, and today's, today's focus is love, God's love, reconciles. I'll go ahead and read the, uh, the reflection from uh, Jonathan Edwards. 
The saints' love to God is the fruit of God's love to them. It is the gift of that love. God gives them a spirit of love for him because he loved them for eternity. His love is the foundation of their generation and the whole of their redemption. Uh, ben, you've got, and then you'll close us out. Good morning. Um, just going to give a brief kind of update on life is different again um, with this COVID-19 um, coming into the states and into our communities. Um, so I think, I mean, it kind of became real this week in terms of lots of things changed and lots of schedules changed. Um, schools have been canceled for the next few weeks. Um, and what we're seeing is kind of this limitation of people getting together if they don't have to. So kind of this idea of non-essential contact. Um, the idea is that with a communicable disease, um, that that can decrease the amount that it's getting spread around. Um, what we saw in the last couple weeks ultimately was the emergence of what we call community spread of the disease. So it had previously been mostly isolated to people who had traveled or a known contact with somebody who was sick. And now we are starting to see cases where they don't have any of those. So we don't know where they got it from, which meant they got it from somebody who didn't know they had it. Um, and so that's why we're seeing kind of the big shift in terms of, well, there's a lot of people, there's people out there that don't know they have it. And so how do we stop the spread if that's the case? So that's why we're trying to limit the amount of contact people are having. Um, I like what John said though about, well, how do we still be in community um, and be in relationship um, even if we're not going to be in close proximity. And I, I mean, I think the phone is a great way to do that. Um, we can definitely still have a connection there um, that can be really good and vital. Um, what we're gonna see this week um, that shouldn't raise too much alarm, but is just a reality, is we're going to see a lot more positive tests come out. Um, so because there's community spread, and because there is now more testing able to be done, we'll start to find the people that have it that don't know they have it. Um, and so what we're gonna see over the next two weeks is just a whole ramping up of positive cases. Um, that's expected at this point. Um, just because we're gonna start being able to test a lot more people, and that's a good thing. Um, so don't, I, I think there could be a reaction to, well, what's happening? And in reality, it's a, no, we expect this because we're doing more testing. The other part of this in terms of, you know, how we respond as a big, big picture community um, is that flu has continued to stay long. Um, I look, you know, the last time I think I talked about flu, we had kind of seen it plateau at a reason, you know, mid-level, which is still long. Um, and I looked at it and it spiked again. So. We're still seeing a lot of flu A, severe flu cases, just more than we usually see in March. Um, that ultimately, if we can kind of fend off the spread and the severity of coronavirus for now, we can get out of flu season, which we know is a seasonal thing, so that we don't have as many ICU beds taken up by flu patients, so that they're open for COVID-19 patients. So part of that also is why we're trying to just kind of for the time being, really just limit things in contact so that we can get out of flu season. Because um, unfortunately, we're still in flu season. Um, 
And then, you know, kind of just what we know about the virus itself. It seems to last a long time. Again, most people, it's going to be mild to moderate. You're going to get better at home. But it's still going to be longer than a cold. Um, so some data came out of China. And it's basically, I mean, viral levels peak at like day nine. So that's, you know, that's more than a week. Your, your contagious factor is still, it's, it's peaking. Um, so that's where I think this, the, you know, the information about being two weeks ready and just being able to stay home. It's more of if you get sick, you're going to kind of want to camp out at home, and, and having the stuff to be able to do that is going to be good, because you're probably going to be sick for close to two weeks. Um, it's just the reality of how long this thing lasts. Um, and then, yeah, just I kind of, what to do with risk. Um, you know, I think there's kind of the wisdom factor in terms of contagious, and yes, there's a risk with, and so we're going to try not to be in as much physical contact. But what does that look like when we're called on to help each other? Um, and yes, there might be risk with contact, but we're still called to be God's children and God's people, and that means helping. Um, and just knowing that, yes, there's going to be risk in this, um, and I think how we respond to that risk is going to be important. Um, and I, I kind of think about, you know, early on, you know, when I would go and I'd get coughed in the face. And I, the first couple times, I got a little bit angry, you know, afterwards. And, I, and yet I had to come to terms with, no, that was a risk that I was taking. And I should not get angry about if something happens. And I, because I, I knew that risk was there. Um, and so just knowing that, yes, ultimately God is in control and when we take risks, we may actually encounter a true occurrence with the illness. And that's just ultimately sometimes what may happen. Um, I think that's all I had. Any questions? No. Yeah. Would you talk about the offering today? Oh, yeah, good. Um, that's right. Cause that, so we're going to do the offering. Um, we have a basket set up in the back. Um, and so we'll just do, at the end of the service, prayer cards and offering. Um, you can just drop them in the basket on your way out. So we won't actually pass um, the offering baskets around during the service. No, thanks. Yep. Gary? Oh, yeah. No, that vaccine is going to be a long-term um, in terms of... So that, that'll probably be uh, 12 to 18 months, most likely, just... I mean, those take time to develop. Amy, yeah? Is, uh, is someone who's completely asymptomatic possibly carrying the virus? Yeah, so uh, Amy asked about asymptomatic um, carriage of the virus. So we do know that the, the symptoms can be very mild at first. We know that fever doesn't necessarily prevent, uh, present at the, directly at the beginning, though fever is very common. Um, in terms of like 85 to 90 percent of people will have a fever. Sometimes it's not till day three or four that they develop the fever. Um, and so, you know, those first couple days, they may not feel that sick. Um, what, though, typically, I mean, we're still seeing this gets to be when it's severe, it's often severe within a few days. Um, so, you know, they didn't feel sick for a day and then they got really sick and they are in the hospital, and then they get their fever day two of in the hospital. I mean, so that's kind of a pattern that we're, some, we're seeing some of the time. Um, you know, the, the feeling mildly sick right now, it's still probably just a run-of-the-mill cold. Um, and yet there is some uncertainty right now, right, in terms of is this going to last two weeks, and am I going to feel really bad a week into it? 
it's possible, and it's possible it's the COVID-19. But most likely, it's still just a cold. Um, so yeah, another question. Say again? Yeah, right, and then Oregon. So we're getting into allergy season, so coughs and runny noses and absolutely very confusing. Yeah, Dottie. Yeah, so just general health, right? So getting sleep, um, eating healthy foods, lots of fruits and veggies, um, staying hydrated, um, trying to exercise. I mean, we know those things are good for our immune systems. Getting some sunshine if you can. Um, absolutely. So, you know, doing what we can to remain healthy. I think that's also something when we get stressed and when a lot of things are coming at us, we kind of let go of some of those patterns. And yet that's actually going to be really important patterns to hold on to right now, um, just to keep our bodies healthy. Yeah. All right. David, yeah. Building off of the uh, exercise part, I have heard people online say that overtaxed bodies are more likely to get sick. What is the, what is the proper balance between exercise yeah. and over Yeah, right. Um, so ultimately, I would say getting out and, and getting your heart rate up a little bit, you know, if you're doing it to where you're taking the rest of the day to recover from the strenuous activity, I'd say that's probably overdoing it. You want to feel like you've recovered from it within 20 minutes. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it doesn't have to be overly strenuous to be good for your immune system. Yeah, well, right, well, so you won't know it for, you I mean, you won't know what you have. Um, and that's gonna, so that will be a shift that we're probably see in terms of health systems starting to do, to do more testing within the next two weeks. Um, and you'll probably hear from like your doctor's office or things like that. I, I don't get the sense that there's going to be a, um, a public health, so just the way our system is set up. Um, I haven't gotten the sense yet that it's going to be rolled out through the public health sector in terms of like the National Guard starting to do testing. I haven't seen anything talked about like that. It seems like it's mostly going to be the health systems doing the testing. Um, and so it'll be with, you know, through your doctor, your urgent care, or things like that, where if you feel sick, they'll be able to tell you kind of, okay, this is where you should go to get testing. Um, that hasn't ramped up yet, but I expect that to ramp up in the next week. Yeah. At least it hasn't happened yet in our communities. All right, let's, uh, let's take the next few minutes, moments, um, to prepare our hearts for worship of the one true God. stand with me as we call each other into worship this morning using words from Psalm 68. Sing, God, sing to God, sing praise to His name, extol Him who rides on the clouds. His name is the Lord and rejoice before Him. 
captives in your train. You received gifts from men, even the rebellious, that you, O Lord our God, might dwell there. Praise be to the Lord our God, our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. Our God is a God who saves. From the sovereign Lord comes escape from death. come into your presence this morning mindful of the need for your protection, but Lord, also your strength and your courage. We come into the presence of a God who created the universe, Lord, who is in and through his creation in that you attend to it daily, moment by moment. It does not exist without your action. We pray that in that, you would be gracious and turn back those things that are robbing people of their lives, their peace, and their families. We pray, Lord, that a God who reigns, a God who is present and lives, the God of creation, would be gracious and would shorten the length of this pandemic. We come into your presence this morning, Lord, to praise you, not to try and manipulate, but to rest, to be reassured in the power and the glory of our God, that our hearts and minds might be changed and comforted, knowing who and what you are. We pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This morning's scripture reading is... 
The Old Testament reading is from the book of Exodus. Listen carefully, this is God's word. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They're almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and the water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel, and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? New Testament reading is from the book of John. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has someone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves, and we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. The word of the God of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
us think on me and purge away my sin from a thorn passion set me free and make me pure within Lord Jesus think on me with care and woe oppressed let me thy loving servant be and taste thy promised rest Lord Jesus think on me amid the battle's strife in all my pain and misery be thou my health and life certainly is days like this where we are reminded uh, the limitations of our ability to control our existence. And uh, I often uh, remind us that we, we hope the liturgy at CVP is structured around the, the heavenly rhythms of worship. And uh, one might say, well, then EC, why would we practice confessing our sin? And, and at its core, a confession of sin is a confession of need. And I do believe that in eternity and worship, we will delight to say, God, without your thinking and willing us to exist, we would cease to exist. We delight that we are dependent, not just now, but for eternity on a God who loves and sustains us. And so we take this time now, this side of glory, to both confess our dependence upon him for our existence, but also for our forgiveness as we uh, delight in the completed work of Christ. So let us confess our sin and need first together and then silently. Holy Father, forgive us. Though you should guide us, we inform ourselves. Though you should rule us, we control ourselves. Though you should fill us, we console ourselves. For we think your truth too high, your will too hard, your power too remote, your love too free, but they are not. 
and without them we are of all people most miserable. Heal our confused mind with your word. Heal our divided will with your law. Heal our troubled conscience with your love. Heal our anxious hearts with your presence. All for the sake of your Son who loved us and gave himself for us. Amen. Please continue in silent confession. Amen. The assurance of pardon this morning uh, reminds us that our human aversion to weakness is not God's. He delights to use those things which we think are weak and can be discarded to actually bring the greatest glory. And that is nowhere more present than in Isaiah 53. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquities of us all. This morning, if you have confessed your need for Christ, God's word here clearly assures you that your sins are as far from you as the east is from the west, that he bears your burdens and therefore you are robed in the very righteousness of Christ. He sees you the way he sees his own son. Please stand with me. Against his hateful dark. 
Please be seated. Uh, most of you should have found a prayer card uh, in your worship folder. Again, you take that out. Uh, take this time to fill it in. Again, uh, you can place it in the basket that's at, uh, at this point, the, the back right side of uh, the sanctuary as we leave after worship. But let's take the time now to fill out those prayer cards.
stand with me as we continue to pray together? From Psalm 80. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, ye who lead Joseph like a flock. You who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh. Stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God, let your face shine that we may be saved. Heavenly Father, we do ask you to be stirred up to act. We know that we always need your wisdom and strength, the guidance of your Spirit. Lord, as we come to this place in worship, we are mindful of the weight of what it is to be your children. It is the weight of glory. It is the weight of forgiveness. It is the weight of love. It is a burden that is far lighter than the burden of sin and self-salvation. Lord, it is a joy to know that you use us as your hands and feet to bring the light of the gospel, the truth of the kingdom, the good news that shook the very foundations of the Samaritan woman at the well's life. Someone who could tell her everything she'd ever done and it made her alive and free that she might bring life and light to the people of her town. We pray, Lord, that we too, even in all seasons, might be instruments of your glory, instruments of reconciliation and love. We continue to pray for our brothers and sisters around the world who are wrestling with the fear and some of uh, what Dr. Calvert, Elder Calvert said to us this morning, Lord, we're not even sure about certain things yet. We do pray that our doctors and our healthcare providers and scientists would be able to give us even clearer wisdom on how to interact. But in the meantime, Lord, for our brothers and sisters in Korea, for our brothers and sisters in China, in Italy, in France, uh, Lord, there are many believers in Iran and many people, of course, all created in your image and we long and desire to see your people minister the gospel wherever they are to those who are in need of encouragement and a cold cup of water in their illness and in their fears. Lord, we pray that you would bless the church in this nation. May we live out the promise of the resurrection. Lord, a promise that values life at its highest and yet gives us the courage to hold on to our own lives loosely in the service of the other. Lord, we trust our lives to you. And we pray that as we serve one another and serve our community, that you might be glorified in and through the midst of it. Lord, the disruption is significant. And so we are praying, Lord, for uh, those whose uh, work is disrupted, their ability to pay bills. We pray, Lord, that we in the church would be very sensitive, that you would multiply resources, that we would hear and know when people who have been infect, uh, impacted or infected uh, and are no, not able to work, Lord, that we would be your hands and feet to care for the poor, the widow, the orphan, and the alien at the gate of our city. 
We pray, Lord, that in this season, the truth and power of a gospel that loves would be ever more evident. We pray for those, Lord, who are uh, not sure what this means for their education and for schooling. Lord, we pray for wisdom. We pray for strength. We pray for those who are traveling home even now. And my own son, Tyler, will be headed back from Ohio this week as his school is closed. Lord, we pray that in the midst of this, those disruptions to education, to plans, Lord, that you would be a comfort and an encouragement, that we would bear one another's burdens as we are unsure of what tomorrow may bring, and yet we are sure of who you are. Lord, we pray for those who are already battling illnesses and are in their own way more susceptible. Lord, we pray uh, for Sandy Beals and we pray that you would keep the illness out of her uh, community at Avamir there in Tiger, that you would protect them. We pray for our sister. Pray for our brother Paul Hughes who did uh, enter medical uh, at Friends View. Pray that you would continue to protect that community as many of our brothers and sisters are there, not just folks who go to CVP, but many of our brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, many of them more vulnerable and in those uh, age groups which can be more vulnerable, uh, vulnerable to the virus. We do pray for Paul. We pray that you would, again, work the last bit of uh, cancer treatment out of his system and in so doing that it might restore some of his memory and some of his uh, function and, and, and uh, his ability to, to stand and walk with, uh, with greater confidence. Pray for Judy in the midst of this. Pray for their children, uh, all adult children and their grandchildren as they pray for Paul and encourage him. Pray for Judy and her health, that you would strengthen her and protect her. Lord, we pray for our sister, uh, Laura Green, who uh, has been battling a, a pretty horrific uh, version of the flu. And we pray that you would strengthen and encourage her. We pray that you would keep Steve uh, safe from getting that illness. We thank you that Sarah, uh, Laura's daughter, is recovering from that illness. We pray that you would strengthen her and uh, allow her to, to work soon. We do pray for our brother uh, Sam as he continues to recover uh, with his ankle. We just pray again, Lord, in some of the economic uncertainty for him and for Polly as he uh, has surgery and other uh, things that need to happen. We pray, Lord, for his healing and we pray for his recuperation. Uh, Lord, we pray for our sister uh, Janine Dillo who has been battling a very persistent illness for about two weeks. Uh, since she visited her grandkids. And we pray, Lord, that, again, you would heal and encourage her. Thank you for her spirit and her love and care for us. Lord, there are many other needs and concerns, and we do want to take a moment, Lord, to share those with you and with one another as we pray in our hearts and as we share out loud uh, those requests that are closest to our hearts. Mm. And 
for yourself to come to them. Will you make place a place in us during this time that will slow enough down that we can feel our need for you mm. and think about you and get to deeper questions mm. and hear and respond to your Holy Spirit. We pray to be able to, to know in our hearts which each of us among us need presence, need other people, and um, that you make a way for us to um, give to them. Make us resourceful, Lord. Make it a time where you can accomplish great things that maybe couldn't be accomplished apart from this uh, these circumstances. Lord, uh, we, uh, I ask that you uh, help us to be the light uh, in your body uh, in this uh, uh, pandemic. Lord, we, uh, I ask that, uh, that you help each and every one of us to, uh, to walk in faith and to exemplify everything that uh, you've been teaching us, Lord. Help us to lead, help us to be encouragers, and help us to be um, a common Heavenly Father, I pray for my students and many other children where school is a safe place and it provides meals for them and it provides joy. Um, these next couple of weeks are going to be hard to be home for them and I just pray for safety. I pray for the community to come around and um, I thank you that the school is providing meals for them and I just ask that you just keep them safe and um, pray that this time will not be one of anxiety and fear. God, I pray for those who are in the healthcare field, just keep them healthy, um, give them strength, uh, help them sleep well at night, us realize that just like every day our health is in your hands mm. and we are every day called to serve you mm. Lord I do pray for my son also Evan in Honduras as his school is closed and isolation there we just pray again for safety we pray for his students and pray for the nation of Honduras during this time as they uh, have a few uh, fewer beds and some limitations in responding to this illness. We just pray again, Lord, pray for safety for him and pray for that nation. Now, Lord, hear us as we pray as your Son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Again, uh, in, in wisdom, given this season, uh, one thought we had uh, this morning was, uh, as we pass the peace uh, more verbally than physically, this side would be willing to say, the peace of the Lord be with you, and then this side can say, and also with you, and uh, we shall greet each other that way. Peace of the Lord be with you. Amen. We try it again. Yeah, please. We can do it. Well, we usually say it several times over the course of the service, right? So you started off, Ben. The peace of the Lord be with you. And also with you. Greet each other spiritually in the name of the Lord. Who knew we'd all become Quakers? Uh, as we talked as a session about worship this morning and the desire to provide an opportunity to come together and the realities of what it means to be connected in the body of Christ and to do so to encourage one another, uh, to inform one another and to know how we could be praying and caring for one another. We just ask that you would continue to pray for us as uh, we seek to encourage and build uh, on community during this season where certain aspects of isolation will be necessary. So we're praying for you. We pray that you would pray for us as we try and wisely walk that line to be an encouragement and to be a strengthening and to, to be wise in protecting uh, against uh, the virus and at the same time uh, doing what we can to encourage you uh, through uh, the ministry of the body. And so we desire to do that well. It was part of uh, the motivation then for me to take a slight deviation, although I think it's um, valid, uh, in our sermon series. This wasn't originally what I planned on preaching this morning, but it struck me that in the midst of a season like this, the reality of God being a God of love and the ethic, the very foundation and nature of the kingdom of God being one of love, framed, shaped, structured, the very air we breathe. I talk sometimes about how because we're fallen human beings, uh, forgiveness is sort of the coin of the realm. We are regularly exchanging forgiveness back and forth. We have to. It's the way we can function as human beings given our limitations and weakness. But the air we breathe, the foundation, the ground we walk on, the structure in which we live is a world designed and built by the love of God. It is framed and structured by that love. And it's not surprising then that when God exhorts us, whether it's through the wisdom we'll read in Proverbs, whether it is the encouragement of Jesus's words and the way that he interacts with people and his disciples, or the way those disciples and Paul and Peter continue to encourage love to be the means by which, the foundation by which, the assumption by which we interact with one another. So I want us to reflect a little bit uh, in the Greek word, uh, agape, that aspect of love this morning in our time. But let's put the text in front of us. Uh, this morning I'm going to read uh, selections from Proverbs and also 1 Peter 4. And in this new format you can see that the words are printed for you in your worship folder. Proverbs 10, 11 through 12. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. But the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. 17.9. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates 
close friends. And then in the New Testament, from 1 Peter 4, The end of all things is at hand, therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Please pray with me. As we continue to desire to see and hear and know who you are, Lord, we pray that the closeness of heaven, this place, uh, this reality that by your spirit we stand in your presence, we sit at your feet to learn and grow in our knowledge of what it means to be your sons and daughters. We pray this morning that we might again grow in our knowledge of a God who is and acts in a love that we can only now scarcely begin to notice the depth and breadth and power of. We pray this morning that whatever is said that is not useful for the building up of your people, Lord, that which is not true, may those words quickly be forgotten. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, It's not a new phenomenon that uh, we can miscommunicate or More importantly, my presuppositions about you and our relationship may predispose me to misunderstand what you're saying. We read Exodus 17 this morning. The people in the wilderness say to Moses, did you lead us out here to die? You want to have a sarcastic answer at that point. Yes, you figured it out. God did all of that amazing stuff in Egypt just to watch you slowly die of thirst out here. Of course, sarcasm isn't the right way to go at that moment. But the communication act where Moses and the Lord have been showing Israel time and time again through word and deed, and yet there's something in the presupposition about ex-slaves who are terrified about where the next meal will come from, how they will be safe and secure. Right? They are barely 30 days out from multiple generations of slavery. They don't know the Lord God well. Though they knew who Yahweh was, though they cried out to the Lord for deliverance, they hadn't yet received the law. They hadn't been to Mount Sinai. They were being redeemed by a God. They were coming into a relationship with a God that they barely knew. And all they knew were the gods of the Egyptians in any kind of detail. And they are not loving gods. They are quid pro quo. They are, you exist human beings for my pleasure. And if I'm bored, I'll torment you. If I want stuff, I'll demand sacrifice. And because of that experience, because of that reality, is it really all that shocking that they still interpreted the acts of God through Moses, through the lenses of fear, fear that at any moment the divine might depart, that Moses might abandon? They read the acts of God And Moses, not yet through an understanding of the love of who God is. 
Is there opportunity to? Sure. God is patient. He still provides water. Are there consequences? There are. But as we walk through this reflection this morning, I want us to be mindful, whether it's in our texting, where sometimes we text just a few words and not a lot of words, and then if I'm in a mood to doubt whether or not you're paying attention, I will take your short text as a dismissal of my longer text. I'll read into your motives. Right? So when we talk about communication today, and whether it's email or text, and we all have these conversations, well, it's not always the best way to communicate. And it certainly isn't. Notice uh, when Ben uh, encouraged you to communicate, he said, use your phone. Uh, And he really stressed to us that he wants us to call one another. Texting doesn't really improve human connection in the same way that hearing a human voice does. But whether it's email or texting or even a phone conversation where I can't read your body language or even when I'm in the room, if I'm predisposed to be fearful of you, if I'm predisposed to not listen to what you're saying, but to reinterpret what you're saying through my own experience in an unchecked and unloving way. Almost anything can be twisted, even rescuing people from slavery. So what's the answer? How do we then as human beings start to listen well? Well, I want to encourage a couple of ways. First of all, this word agape that is in Peter, that is in Paul's writings in 2 Corinthians 5, where he talks about the reconciliation work of God and how he loves us and was reconciling the world to himself because of his love. The same word agape is used there in Ephesians chapter 2, 16, reconciling one body, the act of reconciliation and love. The word agape that translates many of the Old Testament references to God's love is a love that is certainly not sentimental. I was thinking uh, more that this is a love that is wind-blown lines in the face and calloused hands, that has gone through life together, that is beautiful and wonderful and rich, but unlikely to be soft, unlikely to be sentimental. It is a hard-earned love even as it is an unconditional love, because there are fewer loves that are harder to maintain than unconditional love. And so God regularly talks about himself being patient and long-suffering. Even though there are consequences this side of glory to rejecting God's truth, his patience and his love and his covering of his people's offenses is a regular refrain throughout the Old Testament and the Psalms and the prophets. I will love you. Come back to me. Even after you feel the consequence of your decisions, I will go and get you from Babylon. I will wash you and make you clean, Ezekiel says, is the reflection of the Lord. I will not stop loving you. That is a love that is hard work. 
And so when we begin to think about God's love, the first thing we need to understand is that it is a love of purposeful effort for the other. It is not a love that I receive first from the other. Like, okay, well then that's problematic. Then I have to generate all that love for other people. Ah, well, no. It is anchored in God's character. You see, the agape love that we live out is anchored in the character of God. It is His character. We're not creating something new. We are receiving it. Because Paul tells us that we are new creatures in Christ. That the old is gone and the new has come. We have the opportunity in Christ to have the same agape love for one another because we have been loved with agape love. We are first and foremost recipients of that unconditional love. Therefore, no, we don't try and get it from another human being because at some level they'll never be able to love you and me enough. But because of the abundance of God's love for me, I can begin to love in some small fashion you as a reflection of God's love for you. It's anchored in the character of God, which is why we don't need to worry about justice. I don't mean not having decent court systems and laws in a country. I don't mean uh, that sort of utopian nonsense. What I mean is that in the agape love, which works hard to love people who are unlovable, right? It'd be easy if everybody was easily lovable, but even our children sometimes are less lovable at given moments. Our friends can be less lovable at any given moment. To love them well is an act, a volitional act, a conscious act, not because it's easy, but because we extend God's love. It's in our new character. It's in the character of God to love the other. And in the midst of that, a perfect and wise and loving God will do justice. But as Amos says, he loves mercy. When he gives that command, love the Lord your God, Walk humbly with him. Do justice and love mercy. We know because of the character of God, that's how God acts towards us. God never tells us to do things he doesn't do. God exists in a perfect, loving, triune relationship. He extends that love to the other, and in so doing, he does justice and mercy. Usually I am the least loving and the most suspicious of other people's comments and statements when I am defensive and afraid I won't get justice. My voice won't be heard. My rights won't be affirmed. It's hard to love you if I'm afraid that I won't be loved. So how do I procure justice for myself? What Proverbs is saying in many places, and certainly in verses 10 and 17, sorry, chapter 10 and chapter 17, is that God clearly knows about the wicked. They conceal violence. They stir up hatred and strife. And God says very clear things about where that will end up. 
but his call to his people. Right after he says, hate stirs up strife, but love covers offenses. At the core of both of those things is somebody got sinned against. They just responded differently. Hatred stirs up strife. Why do I hate people? Probably because I want something you have or you did something to me that I don't like. And therefore, I foster and fester hatred towards you and that brings strife because I share it. I share my anger and frustration about you with other people or towards you and it creates strife and division. And in the wisdom of God, he says, but love covers all offenses. Again, that frightens us because we fear that's going to make us in our love doormats. That justice won't be done. That's never what God means. Means, excuse me. His love allows us to forgive. And even if that means we need to keep wise space from someone who is dangerous for us, the way we do that will not create strife in the relationships around us. Not in the same way that hatred does. It increases the likelihood of being able to create that space without demonizing the other without fomenting hatred for the other. Love covers that offense, even if it needs to separate from the offender. Whatever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. You can hear the difference. I'm repeating it over and over and over again, and I've been guilty of this, Because at some point, I wanted someone to take up my cause. And in the end, what I did was slander. Peter says that things, all things, are close to an end. That doesn't mean that Peter thought that the end of the world was coming. What he thought was that all things would be made right very soon. It's taken a little longer than Peter imagined. But the nature of his wisdom remains the only way to proceed. We don't know when God will return and restore all things. But what Peter encourages his people is live like the kingdom is here now. Live like love is the ethic. Live like Jesus is on the throne. Don't operate out of the short-term pragmatism of the world, which is strife and hatred and power. Operate out of the eternal standard of an eternal God in love that covers a multitude of sins, that re-evaluates the words that you say to me, not in a sense of fear, not in a sense of anger, not in a sense of distrust, but in the belief that if I don't understand what you're saying, I can ask for clarification. That if I misperceive your interaction, I don't go to the worst place about what that action may mean. By nature, agape is for the other, which means I'm going to have to figure out what that meant for you when you said that to me. 
when you acted that way towards me. We could close with 1 Corinthians 13, which is we hopefully have all heard enough times, at least in this church, it's got very little to do with weddings and everything to do with the kingdom of God. Because it's in the midst of Paul talking about how on earth you get a church to stick together. How on earth does the messiness of the Corinthian church ever end up holding together? It's not going to be in great philosophy and wisdom because they've got tons of that. It's not going to be in doing great works because at some point they started doing really great works of mercy. No, what Paul says at the end, as wonderful as all that is, with there is not love. We are a resounding gong. Agape believes and hopes. Love always hopes. Love always trusts. That cannot be utopian foolishness. It must be. For Paul, in the midst of his difficult life, if anybody should not have been a utopian, it certainly wouldn't have been St. Paul. His life was not a utopian bliss of love. He did not end up in a lovely place. He ended up in prison, and then they killed him. And yet in the midst of that, we get a glimpse of the eternal reality of God when Paul says, love always hopes, love always trusts. In Christ, we have the ability to begin to live that way. To live out an ethic of love. To do the hard work that will build calluses. That will put lines in your face, but they are lines of love. Calluses of care. As we work out what it is in fear and trembling. To love one another as Christ has loved us. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would be our strength and our courage to love well, to work at love, that you might receive the glory, that we might reflect your glory in greater, greater degrees. And in times like these, Lord, the world would see the assurance we have of serving a living and loving and resurrected Lord. Amen. So at this time, we regularly take up commu uh, communion. The, the offering, where am I in the liturgy? The offering. Just encourage you to take a moment. Like I said, there's going to be a, 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 a basket at the back, but just take a moment as on a place to reflect on what... Oh, wait. Well, we're, what I was going to do is give people a moment out of the context of Romans 12.1. To offer ourselves. Again, this is not when the pastor gets tipped, right? This is, this is not just, you know, a little bit of cash. This is when we offer ourselves. And so we can still do that. So let's take a moment of reflection, hopefully in some light of the truth, at least in Scripture, and what it means to offer our hearts and our lives to God as living sacrifices. And then we'll have uh, the confession of faith.
Please stand with me. Scripture says, uh, we just read the wonderful story where the disciples are confused because Jesus seems to be refreshed after having talked to the woman at the well. And they want to know, did someone feed him? And Jesus reminds them that we are fed by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And so as we come to this place where we will not be having the Lord's Supper, but nonetheless, we are really and truly fed by the power of what God reveals about who he is. And so we take this time to confess that which is true, that which is our strength. This morning we'll use Heidelberg Catechism question 60. Read the question, then we'll respond together. Christian, how are you right with God? Only by true faith in Jesus Christ, even though my conscience accuses me of having so grievously sinned against all God's commandments and of never having kept any of them, and even though I am still inclined toward all evil, nonetheless, without my deserving it at all, out of sheer grace, God grants and credits to me perfect satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ, as if I had never sinned nor been a sinner, as if I had been as perfectly obedient as Christ was obedient for me. All I need to do is accept this gift of God with a believing heart. Amen. You please continue to stand with me. We will sing more love to thee. is on the front table. If you'd like a copy, please pick one up. Look up now and receive the Lord's blessing. 
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His countenance upon you and grant you peace, both now and forevermore. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Peace of the Lord be with you.